Zach's for video here with Boston Speaks Up. I'm here with my good friend, Josh Trotwine. How are you? I'm good. Just jumping right in, huh? Yeah, I figured just let the mic rip because you and I have already started catching up for like 10 minutes <laughs> without the mic going. And, you know, if we say anything we don't want it out to public, we can always just cut it out, right? Yeah, um, I guess that's true. That is true. Yeah. But honestly, I'm a, like, we're both pretty transparent guys. So we yeah, can't. definitely. I told Annika on the way here, she was worried. She's like, oh, this is, you know, keep in mind, this is the first time we're talking about like Fresh Connect out to the world, which is new for us, right? Because like Fresh Connect is, I mean, Fresh Truck has existed forever. So like we take for granted that like our audience knows generally what we're talking about and that Fresh Connect's new. I was like, yeah, now this is like a good buddy. It's like pretty friendly. If I fuck anything up too bad, he'll uh, just cut it out. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. we can work, we can work on the position like here in real, you know, in real time live with a uh, hot mic. So, <laughs> so Annika, you mentioned your partner. So why don't, well, why don't we start with, uh, with with who you are and in, we can talk a bit about fresh truck but i kind of do want to backtrack over time to how we met and some of the different social impact initiatives that you've been involved with over time but yes beginning with fresh truck first and and talking a bit to the boston community with what i know you've been up to for a while now which is fresh connect yeah sure so um yeah, so I'm I'm Josh Troutwin. I am the founder, one of the co-founders of Fresh Truck. We operate converted school buses as mobile markets to get more healthy food out to Boston neighborhoods. Um, so we operate mobile markets across low-income neighborhoods that don't have access to affordable, healthy food otherwise in order to improve health outcomes. Um, that's always been our, our whole goal. And now we're evolving to develop a new program called Fresh Connect which is a smart gift card system that lets healthcare providers fund the cost of food for patients by administering a, a gift card that they can use to show up at a grocery store to buy healthy food. And then we're, we're tracking that transaction data and then sharing it back with healthcare providers to analyze how that's impacting health outcomes and healthcare costs over time. So we're excited about that. That's our next chapter. That's the next big thing coming down the pipeline. And, uh, it's going to be big, I think. That's cool. So yeah. critical partner there and probably not an easy one to work with is the healthcare providers. Sure, yeah. And how, like, has that been a long process? Yeah, sort of. It's been, um, but it's been a, it's been a steady process. I mean, I started Fresh Truck out of a community health center. Like I was, you know, the, the original inspiration for Fresh Truck was like my experience at a community health center working with low-income families and having the only grocery store in the neighborhood closed down and then recognizing like food just isn't a part of how we take care of patients, mm. right? And so that was the original inspiration for Fresh Truck. And we set out like at a high level, thinking at like a systems level about healthcare to make food an embedded part of healthcare systems. So um, that's always been you know, our, our line of thinking and our guideposts for how we've developed our programs. And so, you know, the starting point for Fresh Truck was very grassroots in the health center, me talking to patients. We developed a lot of community-based partnerships with health centers and with providers working on the front lines of healthcare. And then we sort of just graduated to more institutionalized partnerships, but, you know, building Fresh Truck over time and now Fresh Connect on the strength of all those grassroots partnerships has made it actually really easy for us to continue to elevate the work that we're doing within the healthcare ecosystem, which um, is, I think, fortunate. Because I think if you're coming in cold, um, it's really hard to find your entry point into healthcare. 
and it's really hard to get people to pay attention. You know, healthcare is bureaucratic. There's a lot happening right now. There's a lot of shifts happening. There's a lot of different actors. And um, I feel like we're actually pretty well positioned and we have it easier than most just because we've been at it for a while at the grassroots level and have sort of built from there. So I'm excited about where, we at, where, where we're at and I'm really thankful, really grateful for uh, all the support from our healthcare partners. And it's been, it's been smoother than you'd think. Nice. Yeah. How much do you attribute the city of Boston largely to being uniquely suited for a fresh truck and a fresh connect to progress? And how much would you attribute maybe like a hub week yeah. for bringing together like in, you know, working to focus on like intersectionality and bringing different types of people and different types of programs and different types of worlds together, which I talked about with Brendan Ryan yeah. earlier this year. And he specifically mentioned fresh truck and, and what you've been working on as like an example of the type of, uh, innovation, uh, the type of, you know, it's, it's it, it, the food access innovation that is, um, fresh truck and the, and the, the ability to, not only make food access easier for people um, around Boston and neighborhoods where they otherwise don't have access to fresh food, but now to actually subsidize that cost mm -hmm. through healthcare system. Mm -hmm. It's all, you know, it's at surface level, it's like very, very logically makes sense. Yep. But as, as many of us know, it, it's much more difficult than that. But Brent, uh, Brendan was just very proud of fresh truck just as like an example of, of a, an innovative um, company in Boston and, and just spoke highly of you. So just curious if you kind of wanted to double click on like, you know, Boston and, you know, perhaps Hub Week too, but just Boston more largely being just a, a unique and probably perhaps yeah, we're, more, we're, most opportune places yeah. to, to have found. We're, we're, yeah, we can be in a better place. We're, we're lucky we're in Boston and actually it's like, you know, it's one of those things that we point at as we, sort of think of ourselves as even as a nonprofit as we think of ourselves as a more traditional startup and we have to answer that question about like what is your unfair advantage it's boston right we're like in and it's massachusetts even more broadly we're in the middle of like you know one of the most progressive we have a long way to go um in terms of transforming our healthcare system it's so far from perfect um but massachusetts is taking the lead and then boston since the beginning of time has been, you know, a city of world-class healthcare institutions, you know, between Harvard partners, you know, MGH, um, you know, all the innovation in, in healthcare and life sciences that comes out of MIT. And then, you know, more recently with Hub Week, like, you're not wrong when you say that they're a convener that brings together like an unusual, unusual groups of people to, to collide around figuring out how you sort of convert a school bus into a grocery store <laughs> and then connect that back with like value-based healthcare systems, right? And that is like precisely what we were doing, right? Like we were just this scrappy little like bootstrap $30,000 Kickstarter startup that's all of a sudden becoming an integrated part of like mass health healthcare reform. Like that's wild. Um, and yeah, yeah, maybe uh, lots of love from Ren and Ren and I. It's glad to glad to hear that because I certainly don't hear it back in emails. Maybe we can just talk through podcasts. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you, you, you wouldn't be alone in that too, <laughs> Brendan. Sounds like you have a couple outstanding emails from both <laughs> Josh and myself. More, more, more yeah. than a couple, I bet. But Boston speaks up might be the way to reach him. Um, yeah, Boston. Boston's a spot to be. I think even starting up fresh check. 
uh, logistically, Boston is a good city, a good city for us to have gotten started in just because it's so small. Um, you know, just the, the geographic proximity of neighborhoods to one another made it really easy for us to um, develop our, you know, schedule of weekly market locations just compared to being out in L.A. a few weeks ago and just thinking about how spread out it is. And um, yeah, so from that standpoint, yeah. that's like a funny little thing that made it easier for us to to just traverse the city and to do our work is just yeah. the, uh, the, the the closeness of all the neighborhoods to each other. Cool couple questions come to mind and I'll start with the, the latter one because you just mentioned LA and before yeah. I moved back to Boston, I was fortunate enough to, to hang out with you on one of those LA trips when you were out meeting with Sweet Green Corporate. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that you have like really interesting, like innovative, disruptive, like food brands like Sweet Green that are headquartered out in LA, but yeah. they're really seeking out counsel from you Sure. You know, like to to help, you know, even with all the accolades they've gotten for their supply chain um, optimization and whatnot. So just curious, like, do you want to speak a little bit to some of the work you've done with with Sweetgreen? Is that is that something you can speak to? Yeah, 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 no doubt. Um, We're definitely fans of Sweetgreen. Um, We sort of backed into our partnership by uh, just bringing them on as a corporate sponsor to fund the build out of um, our second and third truck. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, you know, their whole mission when they got started was to connect people to real food. Um, and they were super, one of the things that I appreciated about them, and I think I appreciate them more than most corporate partners is that they're really transparent about how they think about their social impact platform. Um, right. They, their mission is to connect people to real food. They're very transparent about the fact that they have no answer for how to do that within their sort of current business model. Mm-hmm. Um, for the people that need it the most. And so I think they look at Fresh Truck as part of their answer for how uh, they're connecting or creating more equitable access um, to real food for for the communities that do need it the most, for, right, for, for the low-income communities, more specifically the low-income communities of color that are most severely impacted by lack of access to affordable, healthy food and um and by disparities in, in diet-related disease, right, that endure dis- that are enduring diet-related disease at a, a disproportionate rates, and um, and they they've just been really honest and thoughtful throughout sort of the entirety of our partnership. So it, it was a great starting point just from that standpoint. And then, yeah, and then I think you know, Sweetgreen is just um is also just an innovative company that's employing technology in really interesting ways to drive the growth of their company and to drive the growth of their mission and. We're excited about the prospect of exploring how we can tap them for insight and how we can expand our partnership with them, um, building off of kind of their technology platform through the work that they're doing through their app, through, you know, in-store sales and, and then also through their outpost. So we're, we're really excited about all of that. And I think Sweet Green's excited about us and, um, you know, they're, they're a cool company. Um, a lot of people have a lot of love for sweet green. So it's, um, yeah, it's exciting for us to have a partnership with a company like that. Cool. You, you um, I'd, I'd be remiss not to bring up that you came and played some soccer with me when you were in LA. There's actually, I don't know if you know this, there's a couple guys on that soccer team that work for sweet green corporate oh, that's and have funny. been like since relocated around the country yep. and just, just been just sweethearts yeah, like great know, yeah, like yeah. great like individually they're great people like yeah. i got to know and playing soccer with them and they just 
you could tell like they were very happy in their roles at the company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for anyone that's curious how the amateur um, soccer action is in Boston versus Santa Monica, uh, Josh just kind of strolled in at, at having coming off an inju- injury and hadn't played in a while and just kind of trumped everybody on the field. <laughs> I don't um, know about that. The people on the team, it's funny, people still talk about when, oh, who's that buddy of yours from Boston that came? <laughs> you're ever in LA, let me know. I'll hook you up with my brother. He still, he still manages okay. that team. Um, you mentioned something a little earlier about the community health center that kind of sparked Fresh Truck. Yeah. And I would love to hear like where that was and, mm-hmm. and kind of scratch in a little bit more because that's, that's like, you know, what was the... Uh, beginning of, sure. of all this. Sure, yes, yeah. So Fresh Truck was born in Charlestown. I was working at the Charlestown MGH Community Healthcare Center up there. Um, you know, it's Community Health Center in Charlestown that has been there a while, um, serving all of the residents of Charlestown, you know, not only providing sort of direct, you know, primary healthcare services, but also thinking more broadly about sort of, you know, the environmental and social factors that are impacting communities. So that was my first introduction to, to healthcare and to community healthcare. And so, like I said, it was, a, it was a great starting point for Fresh Truck. There were great people over there. You know, we've still been able to, you know, maintain that same relationship with Charlestown. And it's always got a special place in our history just because, you know, it's what inspired Fresh Truck. And it's great to be able to look back at, um, you know, Charlestown is uh, sort of the birthplace for Fresh Truck and to, to be able to continue our work there, which which we do. I think we're there twice a week and that's, you know, it's super exciting. Cool. What what year was that? You were there. Yeah, I mean, so the, you know, the idea I think originally came about in 2011 yeah. and literally right in the middle of me working with, yeah. you know, patients as this grocery store was closing. Sure. Right. And I remember the grocery stores of Johnny's Food Master was slowly phasing out. Okay. And as they were sort of winding down, they just started like selling stuff, but not replacing it on the shelves. And it was all discounted. And the grocery store was just slowly turning into like a ghost town. And so it was almost like you could feel it coming that there was just like going to be an, an entire period of time before the store was set to reopen as a Whole Foods Um that like families just were going to be going, you know, that there was just not going to be healthy food in the neighborhood. Um, you know, and so it was, yeah, it was a, you know, interesting, um, in- interesting experience to sort of watch that happen, sort of food disappear yeah. from a neighborhood. And, you know, at that point, that's what, and, you know, like I said, that's, that's what originally inspired the idea. So I started kicking it around with some of my patients, some of the providers, some of the people I worked with at the health center and everybody gave me different little bits of ideas and then, you know, there, there's one guy, Bob McGann, he's the director over at like the community center in Charlestown, grew up in the neighborhood and we collaborated a lot on different programs in the neighborhood. We'd have lunch every day at like the Grasshopper in Charlestown, Cool. Um, which is just like totally a fun memory. And like, I'll never, ever, you know, not go to the Grasshopper and just like remember back to those lunches as being sort of a, a foundational part of our story when Bob and I were like kicking around the idea for the original idea for fresh nice. truck where it was literally just like drawing, literally just like drawing yeah, and sketching pieces it. of paper and a lot of conversations about like, what if like, you know, what if the truck looked like this and looked like that? And now we're building like a software platform, right. To just like scale up the mission. So it's pretty wild. Charlestown's got a special place in our history for sure. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned you built a couple more buses. I think the original yep. one retired. Yeah. Diane. 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 Yeah. Oh, Diane. All our buses are named. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what are buses' names of two and three? 
two, three, and four and coming four. soon. Okay. Um, bus two is named 77 mm-hmm. after uh, the former New England Patriots left tackle, Nate Solder, nice. who is on our board of directors. Fortunately, he plays for the Giants, but we still love Nate, <laughs> but not the Giants. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Nate, Nate's been on our board. He's actually he's our longest-serving board member, along with me. Uh, he's been on the board since 2013, and he was the one that sort of came up for with the idea to build two trucks sure. in the first place when we were still small and scrappy and trying to figure out what to do next. He um, was the one to sort of bring into focus for us that it would be a good idea to focus on community engagement and food access at the same time. Yeah, And so we, we built the second truck to do both of those things so we could focus on both of those things at once, build a framework around both of those things. And um, so we what? named the. He was number seventy seven. So nice. We and before we get to three and four, yeah. just double because I actually had quite. And we can yeah. talk a bit more after about some of the other advisors because you really you, and you mentioned this in your sort of one word answer yeah. pre interview. Just like mentors are a big part of your life, sure, as yeah. it is with mine. It's very important to to um, you know put put you know good intentions out there. And and luckily, Boston's a great city where a lot of successful people kind of, you know, pay yeah. it forward and, yeah. and embrace and embrace, you know, the next generation. But Nate Nate Solder, um, he does he have a background, a particular background or like when he like I don't know where he went to college. But does yeah, he Colorado. He went to Colorado. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, same school Chauncey Billups went to. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Um what was it like is does he have a particular um expertise or is he like is he just particularly yeah is, is nutrition yeah, just like yeah a, he's professional he like, athlete yeah. is, he, is he so is he just like nerd out on nutrition i think he did i don't like maybe this is wrong sorry nate if i'm like misquoting here or getting your story wrong but i think it's flattering i think when he was in college transitioned from being a tight end to an offensive lineman his coach okay. has asked him to do that mm. he's a big dude he's six eight um, so he had to gain weight, but obviously mm-hmm. wanted to stay athletic and stay lean. Yeah. I think his story is he, he did nerd out on yeah. some like nutrition books Time to, do to it figure right. out how to bulk. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right. Like he didn't want to get fat. He wanted to keep, and he's an athletic yeah. dude. He's a big guy. Um, you know, but he moves cool. and almost to the point, like you wouldn't guess he's a football player. Right. Cause he's like, so, or you wouldn't guess he's an offensive line because he's so lean when you meet him. But, um, yeah, he uh, yeah, he's big into nutrition. Like he takes his job seriously. Obviously, you know he's a great, and um, yeah, I guess nice. he's a nerd. Cool. I don't think he'd take exception cool. to that. I think one of the things I'll do after <laughs> yeah. this after this discussion is I'll probably I'll probably go down a rabbit hole looking into Nate's. Uh, <laughs> nut- he's probably got some nutrition. Uh, yeah, ask him habits ask him. or blog posts out there that that, that might be worth checking out. Yeah, uh, so. Truck three and four. What are their names? Truck three and four. Let's go back to truck one though, because we're gonna start okay, with the back history, to Diane. history of truck one. So okay. truck truck two, named after yeah. Nate because yeah. he came up with the idea for yeah. the truck at a board meeting. Okay. Truck one though is named after one of our shoppers who unfortunately passed away, um, pretty early on into uh, fresh trucks getting started, um, but who was an early inspiration for us. Um, a woman named Diane who was a resident at Hearth at Olmstead and Green. Um, which is in and of itself is a really wonderful organization. It's a housing community for elders that were formerly homeless. And so Diane just had like, you know, incredible. What part of town is that? Uh, it's in Dorchester. In Dorchester. Yeah. Um, kind of right on the line of Mattapan yeah. near the Franklin Park Zoo on American Legion Highway. But um, yeah, I mean, Diane was an incredible person, right? Was formerly homeless, found her way out. Um, and really, you know, built a you know, second, third, fourth, fifth act for herself. Um, where she was just an incredible health advocate for a community. So when sure. we first got started and we'd roll up to her community, uh, we still go there now. 
uh, she'd hang out on the truck and coach the other residents about what they ought to be eating, all the benefits of food. She'd coach me. Oh, wow. um, I still make a ginger tea, like when I get sick oh. that she told me about. And um, yeah, Diana fortunately passed away, but like left a legacy with us. But she's so, here right now. She just gave me goosebumps. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so we honored Diane by naming our very first truck after her. That's and, beautiful. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fitting for sure. And then yeah. um, fast forward truck three. Uh, it's called Freedom. Okay. Named after the scholars at Freedom School. Shout out to Freedom School. Um, I think they're the best version of programming that we do in the whole entire city. Um, Freedom School is an international program um, designed to promote uh, educational excellence, um, specifically focused on communities of color, very like um, culturally and racially attuned models, specifically focused on communities of color. Um, celebrating sort of uh, the uniqueness and the history of all the diversity, um, you know, across freedom schools and all the freedom school scholars. I think it is in a few different countries, um, definitely around the U.S. And we work with the freedom schools um, program here, uh, summer program here in Boston that's run by United Housing Management. And they, they were also just like an early part of our story. Um, right. When we thought about the role that Fresh Truck had to play in fostering community engagement around food and health in a way that's like not prescriptive. Right. Because we came at Fresh Truck recognizing that like one, there's plenty of food culture in Boston, like that whole like narrative around like poor people don't want to eat healthy. Poor people don't know how to eat healthy. It was like not true. Right. Like the issue that we're attempting to tackle is access to healthy food. And like I think the reality in like a lot of low income communities is that especially young kids like in urban communities in particular being hit over the head about like with a lot of negative messages about food and food culture that detract from healthy eating. But the reality is that specifically in communities of color, specifically in immigrant communities, there's a ton of rich food culture. Right. Like we say all the time, like our families that we serve are a generation, if that oftentimes removes um, from scratch cooking and, and farming, right? When you think about like Southern black communities, Caribbean communities, West African communities, Asian communities, right? There, there's no shortage of rich food culture um, in this city. The problem is I think that food culture is being eroded over generations just based on sort of the food culture we have built up here in the U.S. and based on how the food culture, our food and food culture and food systems have evolved over time. Um, so we see ourselves, we see our role sort of in disrupting that negative evolution of our food culture and the erosion of our food culture and being um, in, we see our role as sort of serving as a platform to elevate food culture, to restore a more health centered food culture, but to do it in a way that like honors like our neighborhoods, honors the diversity of our neighborhoods and then meets our neighborhoods where they're at and allows them to define like what their food culture is and um, sort of freedom schools really helped us find our center on that. And we just sort of like, yeah, we just, you know, I, you know, I remember like, so Kathy Drain who runs the program, I remember our first conversation, you know, sitting out on the steps um, on Elm street and Roxbury and Grove hall uh, and just chatted about like what might be possible at the camp. And we just threw some stuff at the wall, right? started off with like, we did cooking demos one year where I came in, I showed up and, you know, I talked about what Fresh Truck was all about. I asked kids what they like to eat, parents what they like to eat. And then we developed 
my favorite program, like an intergenerational cooking demo where parents and grandparents were coming in and they were sharing their food culture. Right. And so the special part of that for me is that you have, you know, uh, kids who are seeing people that look like them, that are from their community, sharing food culture with them that they don't get right. to hear about all the time that involves healthy food. It's not all the stuff that they're getting, like I said, hit over the head with it, like at corner stores and on TV and stuff like that. It's parents and grandparents educating them about like what real food is, what healthy food is and how important um, all that is to, you know, how they feel when they wake up every day to make sure they're at their best. And um, yeah, as much as we can, we've just tried to cut and paste that formula real, just like community based grassroots programming that's designed to celebrate food for whatever food means to all of our neighborhoods, right? Because we're in every neighborhood in the city. And so, um, yeah, so we've just drawn a lot of inspiration from Freedom Schools, and we just have a lot of fun with them. So uh, honored them with our third truck. Um, That's all the history behind the the third truck. We named it after them. Uh, Fourth truck has yet to be named. Um, Yeah, we have a few ideas that are percolating, but nothing final just yet. Um, that's, that's the history of the names of the three trucks. Cool. We'll have to have like some sort of follow-up we'll have to share with the Boston Speaks Up community. Cause based on how great the story has been behind the first yep. three, yep. we're going to have to share the story behind the fourth one. When you finally decide. Yeah, no to, doubt. You'll have no to be on the road sh- next week. I think so we got to come up with something soon. Yeah. yeah so we got, yeah, it. I'm sure you guys have some good ones broken yeah. that you're keeping close to yeah. the best right now. One of the things you, you scratched into a couple things there that compel follow-up questions. I, I kind of want to. This one we'll get back to, but I do want to kind of go back in time even further and just talk about where you grew up outside of Boston and mm-hmm. like just your relationship with food growing up, yeah. I think would be really interesting. But but one of the things you just mentioned is sort of all these all the programs and these frameworks. Like when I talk to you, like I am infected with this desire to um, grab all of these like amazing, innovative frameworks and like share them to other communities outside of Boston mm-hmm. and help everywhere else and so i'm just curious and i know where your mind's already gone and and and, and generally going what, is it more is it both is it more what you're doing now with fresh connect and the platform like how do you see growth outside of boston and mm-hmm. how do you see what you're creating what you have created and what you're creating here in boston as um, a real catalyst for change in in providing food access to communities, at least for now, we'll start across America. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll start small. Yeah, we'll just sure. just cover all 50 states for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, there's a couple different levels to that question. I think if you think along the lines of Fresh Connect, Fresh Truck, first and foremost, in starting Fresh Truck, we appreciate the complexity of operating just any type of food retail operation, right? Like it is, it's hard. The economics are difficult. Um, the margins are tricky. There's a, there's a lot that can go wrong. Um, it, there's just a lot of inherent complexities. And then it's very regional, right? Like any food business is super regional in terms of like the demographic makeup of the communities that you're serving, um, supply chains, pricing structures, in our case, being a nonprofit and being so, you know, steeped in our communities as, as part of our whole model, right? The networks of partners are entirely different. Even if we were, you know, as we've sought to expand, even if we're, you know, looking towards just outside the city, you know, just north of the city or out in Western Mass or even in Worcester, right? Like you're talking about an entirely separate set of like supply chain partners and 
in community partners, you're talking about like um, a different logistical configuration. Sure. Right. It was a really heavy lift for us to find our way to our base of operations in Boston. And so, um, you know, unlike with some other retail businesses and, you know, other types of companies, it's not just like you can cut and paste what we do and replicate it in another region, even within Massachusetts. Um, you know, so with all that being true and just given how we think we can have the most impacts and we think about growth, right. It's not growing our operations. It's growing our impact. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not you, you sort of need more to healthy people. Meaning yeah. That, right. Like more and it's people like healthier. Yeah. Like you're working with healthcare providers. So the goal being those healthcare providers that are helping subsidize, underwrite the cost of that food over time, seeing those patients having better outcomes. Yeah, but I mean, like, even taking a step back from, like, what we're doing with Fresh Connect to subsidize food, right? Yeah. When we think just about, like, the retail operations okay. of Fresh Truck, specific retail operations of Fresh Truck, the, all those in, sort of inherent operational complexities that I mentioned make us feel like the best path towards growth to improve retail access, like, in other geographies and other communities um, is to, you know, tell our story to inspire people, um, but also to just figure out you know, really creative, efficient ways to open source the work that we do here in Boston to help people in other communities adapt what we do within their community. Because we know that like we could not, like I said, we couldn't cut and paste what we do in Worcester, never mind LA, which has like a totally different set of like actors, totally different geography, totally different set of like demographics. Like traffic is just a whole thing that you need to take into consideration. Right. And like in our mind, our choice is like, okay, we could go out there and we could try to stand up our operation. We could try to learn all that stuff, try to build relationships, try to map out all those things. Um, Or we could open source our work that we're doing here, everything that we've learned about Fresh Truck, offer that up Mm -hmm. to, you know, the the institutional stakeholder or the coalition of people. You know, we work, we talk to the L.A. Food Policy Council that's out there. Sure. They have all that stuff mapped. They know L.A. They've been in L.A. Right. Like, why would we, you know, step into another city um, and attempt to build the connective yeah, tissue required? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why wouldn't we build off of um, their already established yeah. connective tissue? And so um, really, you know, our philosophy is like, how do you scale impact? Like, it's not a focus on scaling operations. It's focused on scaling impact. And we think right. the most efficient way to do that with Fresh Truck is to um, just open source all of our insight, you know, we have a lot of great like inventory management infrastructure, a lot of great best practices just on the, the fundamentals of selling fruits from the school bus. Um, so we, uh, yeah, so we've had some um, great conversations about uh, with other mobile markets around the country sort of offering up our insight, you know, to the extent that's helpful. Annika, my co-founder and our COO convened a mobile market summit, helped to convene a mobile market summit with a few other organizers up in Buffalo that brought together okay. a lot of mobile markets around the country. So I think that's the path towards growth when yeah. we think about retail operations outside of Boston. Um, but I think we think very differently about Fresh Connect, right? Like Fresh Connect is a technology path platform, right? Um, it's something where we see a more cl- clear path towards scalability from the standpoint that... Um, it is something that we can develop and take ownership over perhaps in other geographies and across additional networks of healthcare partners outside of Boston. Um, so I think our, our path towards growing Fresh Connect is to, you know, really understand through this year the core processes to build software um, around that process that we establish with our, you know, 
our two healthcare partners this year, Brigham Women's Faulkner Hospital and with BMC. And our hope is that through piloting with them, we can sort of build the system and also develop a really strong evidence basis to demonstrate the efficacy of the platform that we're improving health outcomes, that we're lowering healthcare costs. And then, you know, I think from there, we'll hopefully be able to attract interest from, you know, additional healthcare groups that are looking to address food as a root cause of why patients are getting sick. Um, yeah. And we're, mm-hmm. we're, and we're excited about Fresh Connect because it is, it is just, it's technology. Yeah. It's not a school bus. It's not a brick and mortar operation. It's not a warehouses. It's not buying and selling a lot of food. It's uh, it's standing up a technology platform. So the idea that we could make an impact by scaling a technology platform, which is infinitely more efficient than any type of grocery store operation yeah. is exciting. And I think we'll take a little bit more ownership over that growth. Yeah. There's a much grander economy of scale you can create off the yeah, technology sure. platform. Like, right. Yeah. So that does beg the question. Is it almost like the, the companies work so well in complement, yeah. but it's almost like I just said companies plural yeah. slip there, but it's almost as if you're running two companies. Cause you had this company that was about, you know, f- food access and it, it was, you know, food, food, tr- or food truck business. And, yep. and, and, and now you have, and you've had to hire engineers probably for the first time. Not, not quite yet, but okay. we're almost there. So you're yeah. developing, you know, talking about technology, software, yep. engineering. Yeah. Um, yeah. Imagine there's like necessary growing pains with like evolving and having this distinctly different complementary business unit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So how's how's so, that been for you and Anika? Not, not not as complicated as you would think from an operational standpoint. Um, Fresh Connect evolved really organically out of Fresh Truck, where we had healthcare providers and community partners coming to us and being like, "How do we cover the cost of food for our patients?" Sure. Right. And so from there, we started cutting up pieces of paper. They said five bucks on them. Right. Patients could show up at our truck, use that like a gift card to buy food yeah. at our truck. Um, so needs based development. Well, right? Yeah. And it's like, we weren't even yeah. thinking hard about like yeah, at yeah, that yeah. point about affordability as a barrier, yeah. playing with purchasing power, connecting it back to like healthcare systems or insurers. It was totally just like responsive to what we were hearing from yeah. like dietitians and nutritionists, right. Yeah. And social workers out in neighborhoods is that program demand for that program and that type of service that subsidized food on our truck organically began to grow, you know, we began to recognize the opportunity to do, to sort of more actively market that program as something that we could offer to our network of healthcare partners. Interest continued to grow. And at the same time, you know, MassHealth sort of announced this new structure for Medicaid in Massachusetts, a, you know, a value-based accountable care model you know, where healthcare providers serving Medicaid patients were going to be responsible um, for addressing the upstream causes, like the root causes of like why people are getting sick and they're no longer just going to be compensated based on, you know, the volume of care that they're delivering, how many people are going into the ER, how many people are getting surgeries and stuff, which I think is a better version of healthcare. So that is sort of all those things combined, you know, the organic growth and demand for like fresh connect um out of fresh truck combined with like that emerging new context of healthcare you know sort of brought into focus for us the opportunity to develop fresh connect and so it was a natural progression for us i think our challenge right now is to develop the right organizational platform and branding system mm-hmm. to talk about you're not wrong to talk about those two companies together yeah right we are thinking about um, fresh truck and fresh connect is two entirely distinct operations. 
One is a mobile retail operation that's meant to increase retail access to healthy food in low-income communities. It's capital intensive. It's operations intensive. Um, and it's an entirely different sort of um, – it involves an entirely different skill set and set of personnel than Fresh Connect which is a technology platform and a payment system that's integrating with point of sale systems and electronic health records yeah. at the same time, like you said, that requires like engineers and it requires a software build and an entirely different roadmap and set of personnel to build data, which is more scalable just in terms of its economics as we look forward. And, um, but they're united behind the exact same mission, right? So that, that's the part that's a little bit easy to explain. Right. And since the beginning of time, as I alluded to before, like our mission has always been to improve health outcomes by getting healthy food to the people that need it the most. Yeah. Both of those companies, those programs are solving for that exact same thing. So, you know, we're working on and we, you know, we're just about to roll out um, a new organizational platform called About Fresh that is composed of Fresh Connect and Fresh Truck as two companies um, united behind that same exact mission to get healthy food to the people that need it the most. And I'm really excited about, you know, that new organizational platform of About Fresh because it gives us the latitude um, to continue to develop additional solutions, maybe even additional companies um, as we see new opportunities emerge at the intersection of food and healthcare, right? And so like we, you know, beyond that sort of direct human-centered mission of getting healthy food to the people that need it the most, at a systems level, we want to transform healthcare, Right. Like we want to going back to the original founding story of me at the health center, like we want to make food an embedded part of our healthcare system. It's not right now and it needs to be, um, you know, people not having access to enough healthy food or not being able to afford enough healthy food is getting a lot of people sick yeah. and it's driving all the healthcare costs um, that we're so frustrated about in this political climate that seem intractable. Um, but the solution isn't all that complex. Right. Like we, I think both, you know, interesting sort of part of both sort of companies, programs that we've developed in Fresh Connect and Fresh Truck is that neither of them are like super elegant. One is a gift card that can be used to like help patients pay for food that can't otherwise afford it. Right. One is a school bus converted into a grocery store. Like we're not really doing rocket science. Right. We're just kind of piecing together things that sort of already exist um, to solve a big problem. Yeah. Um, and I think we're being pretty effective, but uh, the issue is not intractable. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's really solvable. Um, so yeah. So we're excited about that new organizational platform that's allowing us to uh, expand the scope of our work. So Fresh Truck's not going anywhere. Yeah. That brand is not going anywhere. The mission certainly hasn't gone anywhere. Um, we're just continuing to build on that same mission, building on all the work of Fresh Truck by introducing fresh connect as our next sort of um chapter and then about fresh as the sort of platform that captures all the work that we're doing now um stores all the work that we've done in the past and is sort of our platform to build into the future so um yeah so you know we're working on how to talk about it um, you're doing a good I'm, job I'm the, the, thanks yeah I, I mean, I, not to, like, i'll just jump yeah. over here and say like you're doing a, like they work they work well in concert and complement each other even before you do such an elegant job of like <laughs> describing both and how like again and reminding us all that they fit under the umbrella of improving health like health outcomes that's it I mean, yeah. it's yeah. it's um and they they have um you know like i, I think you know saying they work in concert is probably like a good way of putting it because 
they breathe life, you know, they breathe life and, and they, they give, they don't just compliment each other, but they give purpose to the other. You know, yeah. And together they, and together they fulfill, you know, the, the greater purpose and, and, and a more, you know, optimal scalable way. There's, there's, you're bringing an economy, a scale, you're adding a technology brings an economy, a scale to the very, you know, hard labor intense, yes. intensive work yes. of actually getting food to yeah. people. Yeah. So they can only work in concert. Like you can't, so very, they make each yeah. other more effective, right? Like yeah. where, where, um, I think we've been so successful at developing fresh connects so quickly because we're building, we're building it on the strength of fresh truck. Yeah. Right. And then in that way, and in developing Fresh Connect, we're also able to like be more effective through Fresh Truck. Yeah. Because we have a solution to like make the food on our truck even more affordable by increasing purchasing power through Fresh Connect. I hadn't anticipated having this type of a conversation with you, but what I'm also compelled to, an observation I'm making right now too is this is also the type of example of a Boston company versus Silicon Valley company. And the people in Silicon Valley, the people, yeah. Folks in, in, in the types of, or the types of companies you tend to see out of Silicon Valley would have first built a fresh connect yeah, and then been like, oh yeah. I'm like, we'll just go, you know, Do implement it in stuff. a city yep. and figure it out. Like yeah. the hard work of the hard work in this is what fresh trucks done. Yeah. And with the model, that model proven out and some scale there and you know, access and, you know, we haven't talked about is like all the different places that those active trucks show up in Boston on any given day, like the mechanics of the operation. That's, that's the difficult work. They're younger and younger. I, I, my daughter's probably going to be a computer science whiz kid by nine years old. She's only two right now, just based on, you know, everyone's coding, the ability to do some engineering and coding. Like I don't mean to like sell it short, but you know, writing code and building software is sort of like table stakes these days. Sure. Um, but having built fresh connect without fresh truck, I mean, it's like you would have had like your head chopped off and you were just like meandering around the country just trying to find, you know, th- you know, find out what sticks or, or I don't know, better analogy might be just like you're throwing software spaghetti against the wall and just seeing where it might work. But yeah. like, like, and honestly, like how could it work without the proper, um, you know, grassroots mm-hmm. activations to yeah. put, to put that yeah. platform and that, um, the, that, you know, that, that process and it, all to work. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you, you, you're not wrong. And I mean, it's, um, you know, our company, you know, fresh truck now fresh connect and evolving into about fresh. It's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been all heart. Like we've led with our heart and, um, you know, we, we've been mission driven since day one. And, you know, I think we're that prototypical sort of, uh, startup nonprofit that just got by on hustle and heart. Mm hmm you know, back when we launched in 2013 with, with fresh truck and you can't ever replace that DNA. Right. And, um, you know, you can build things from the top down, right? Like you can look at a big systems issue. You can look at a problem from the top down and you can solve it for sure. And there's been plenty of people, plenty of companies that are effective. Um, but being immersed in an issue, sort of having had the experience of being on the front lines with families, um, that are encountering food insecurity, that are working with providers that have no recourse for the fact that their patients don't have or can't afford healthy food. Um, you can't replace that, right? Like that's always at the core of all of the work that we do. 
that's in the top of our minds when we're designing programs, whether it's a software platform or a school bus. And um, it's and it's an asset and it's an, it'll be an asset until the end of time. Um, you know, it's not something we've ever gotten away from. Um, and we're, yeah, we're better off for it and we will be better off. The bigger we get, yeah, it, it's almost like the more important it becomes. So I'm curious, like, the love, the passion that comes in, that is, everything starts from the top and goes down. And mm-hmm. I'm not here with Annika too, but from over the years talking to you, like she's breathed wonderful life and love and passion into this. But since I'm only sitting yeah. here with you, I can only ask you about it. Sure. Talk to me about where you grew up, your upbringing, like, the, like what, like kind of curious, like this, you know, this, the passion and love and, the empathy that you feel for so many, it, it, you know, it's a manifestation of, you know, years of you evolving as a human. Sure. Um, yeah. So where's, where's home for you? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. So home is Milford. Um, I grew up there like 40 minutes outside the city. Grew up with my mom, my grandmother and an aunt and an uncle. Um, they were like, you know, they were the people I spent my weeks with. My mom worked a lot when I was young. Um, she hustled. She's definitely like the number one inspiration for just like high motor, like high engine work rate. Um, you know what I mean? Like I saw her work two jobs, waitressing, um, you know, my grandmother too. She was, a um, my grandfather passed away when my oldest aunt was eight. So she had four kids. She's a single mom with four kids. Um, the oldest of which was eight. Right. So strong women in my family. Mm-hmm. Everyone in my family, too, including my cousins, are just, like, hustlers. Um, super, super proud of that. And it's just, like, you know, I just just sort of built like that. Brought it to college with me. Brought it to high school. And then, um, yeah, and then when I was growing up, I was just, like, really fortunate between the soccer, between my family, um, to have really wonderful mentors. Had, like, a really just, just you know, uh, coach named Ro Collins. Um, this is a soccer was coach? just like yeah 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 he's my soccer coach going was he up. like Milford was like, Milford soccer coach or was he a club, club he uh coach? yeah I played for yeah. like yeah it's like TV Eagles now we yeah. call it something different back then but yeah he was my coach there and he just like put me on his back and um yeah going through the normal stuff in like middle school um not having like uh he's my first role model that was a person of color um that helped me understand like how to navigate the world as a person of color, like being sort of mixed from an all white family uh, was an interesting experience growing up that I had to unpack, but I'm like still unpacking. He was the first one to sort of help me think about that. And it was just like an incredible resource and like source of strength during like those formative years of like 10 and 11. And like that, those were the years looking back now where I think a lot of my friends like growing up first started going sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and real quick, so you yeah. were growing up with your mom and her and her family who were white mm-hmm. and your father was... Yeah, my dad's Jamaican. Jamaican. Yeah, it was just like never in the picture, um, which was fine. Like it was not something like I thought about. I only ever knew my mom and, mm-hmm. you know, she was more than sufficient. So, um, you know, no trauma there, but like, you know, trying to like... Uh, trying to make, you know, sense out of the world yeah. looking the way that I do sort of mixed and, you know, in between, um, you know, Ro, Ro was like the first person to help me unpack that a little bit, sure. you know, like during those formative years, like I said, and 11, 12, um, 13. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. When um, you're start, you know, the world becomes a little bit more of a complex place once you're out of the sandbox, right? And yeah. Um. So he was that dude, and then, you know, and then I just, you know, I I I was a part of a summer camp. I went to like the local summer camp in Milford. And then there's like two women, uh, Lisa Worsh. And um, sorry, now Lisa Firth. Lisa Worsh was also a wonderful woman that came to me later on in my life. But um, Lisa Firth, uh, Jen Walsh, just like two women that ran the camp. Jen yeah. ran the special needs program. Lisa ran um, the whole camp program. Yeah. Um, they were just awesome to me when I grew up. And they were awesome to everybody in the camp. They gave us a great experience as little kids. And they cared about us even when we were acting up. And then um, I ended up working at the camp. And they're both incredible managers. Just like you were terrified of both of them, like they struck fear and God in you. But but uh, as long as you're in your good graces, like yeah. you'd love to be around them. And uh, I st- I still think, really looking back now, as I'm really trying to figure out how to become a manager, um, they're like, yeah, they're the best versions of what I think a manager is. This is a summer camp, wasn't a big company or anything like that. Um, but their fundamentals as a manager were right there, and they were just good to me when I was growing up. They were just they were just nice to me, and they were nice to everybody growing up, and. And uh, they wanted to get the best out of us. And, um, you know, between them and Roe growing up, they really modeled for me. Um, and I took it to heart. And I think other people did, too. I know Jen and Lisa and Roe mean a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, They modeled for me the impact that empathy can have, especially on young kids. Sure. So, like, that's always where my heart's been. And so, um, and, you know, and my mom, of course, my whole family and, you know, my my you know, uncle who was like a dad to me growing up and my mom and uh, grandmother and my aunt, you know, moms and dads to me growing up. And so, um, yeah. So, you know, I had a whole experience growing up where like it was a village. Right. And so I just like, I always wanted to be them when I grew up. And so that's what brought me to like human services and sociology when I was in college. So I want to talk about that. I have a couple observations to make. One is that you're wearing a wristband that says Jamaica. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is from, this is from, um, uh, uh, the the my squad at freedom schools so okay. they like they they like they love playing they with the idea that I, they know that I, they yeah. know that i'm jamaican they know i don't know anything about my own culture <laughs> they're like here's a little bit of it and they always love to That's like put, put me on to jamaican culture yeah. again which yeah. is what i love love my crew over there the other yeah. observation is because yeah let's talk about what drove you to northeastern and, yep. what, and what you did there and on the tail end of it because you just talk, talked about a few mentors and i'm learning this is what, what i love about yeah. boston speaks up for me personally is i'm learning more about a friend like yep. deeper than i didn't even know and i and i know about soccer one but i yeah. think it makes a lot more sense to me now so the yeah the the, the two women that ran that summer camp yeah and roe who was a, was a soccer like what you know, what that summer camp and the empathy around that summer camp taught you, like the importance of what that could mean for young children, yeah. coupled with the most critical sort of, you know, male mentor you had yeah. in your life, 11, 12, 13, seems like a nice recipe for what helped really come out of you as your first big social impact initiative that I know, which yeah. is Soccer One. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Soccer One came out of um, like my co-op in Northeastern uh, instead of going and working at a company, I did a research project that was looking at like why city kids don't play soccer. Instead of working like, at a company, you're like, I'm going to create a company. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't, again, like I just, I was just trying to like understand. It was just yeah. a research project at first, but like um, I played at different times with like kids from Boston and a couple of kids from Everett that were just sick. They were awesome players. They never stuck around the team. You never saw them go on to college, rarely. Just the guys I grew up with anyway. And, um, like good players, like I knew of that were out there. They didn't get bad or fall off a cliff. They just like, 
there wasn't a pipeline. Like you could tell, you just knew. Like these yeah. dudes didn't end up going to college. They never showed up on the revs or anything like that. Um, players that weren't as good did. And, you know, whatever, like, you know, I test will tell you that they just didn't have access to the networks to, to get to the next level. Sure. Um, but yeah, so the original research project and inspiration for soccer one was to like understand why. Like, why isn't there that pipeline? Why does that exist? And, you know, so there were obvious things like, you know, money. Um, but then a lot of it came down to like social and political capital, lack of resources and organizational structures in cities. Even the diversity of Boston and the diversity of communities makes it really difficult, I think. Those are all good things, but it makes it difficult to sort of organize um, just any type of youth sports structure in the way that you would out in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so then, yeah. yeah. So soccer one was designed to connect sort of in that system, sort of honoring all those cultures, recognizing the diversity and a little bit of fragmentation across communities was to connect a network of just these really small grassroots soccer clubs. And then to create a platform, um, you know, like a more cohesive platform that sort of, you know, just, uh, organized otherwise fragmented little small grassroots soccer clubs and so yeah so i just like spent college raising money um and trying to prop up little grassroots clubs around the cities at churches like over here in Eastie, we're in Eastie right now like you know one of my first clubs and um that that i worked with uh yes cesar and joe over there were just like two parents with their sons that would like run a practice for 30 kids yeah. That's it. Like not, you know, and that's the best version of soccer. Right. And I love yeah. that. And, yeah. and it's good for kids. There's so many inherent benefits, you know, just being out there playing, having the same access to a mentor like I did with Ro. I was just, you know, it's just like creating that, um, nothing over-engineered, just getting balls down on the field, getting permits. That's all I was doing, running around the city, trying to do that, trying to make it possible for these kids to play more. Um, and what's cool is that I know that Cesar's son is playing in college and then um, wow. I know a few of the kids did go on to play in school and stuff, which is like, that was it right there. And so I don't know. I don't think like, I'm not or... trying to, yeah, yeah. I'm not like trying to take credit for that or anything, but like, um, but that's what I was hoping would happen as a result of all this stuff. I hope I helped in a small way. And then um, after the earthquake happened in Haiti, I got sort of an opportunity to extend the work that I was doing down there. And it was the same sort of formula. You know, it's obviously an entirely different, like, social, economic, and cultural context. But, like, the language of football, language of soccer is the same. Yeah. Um, and there's an even greater lack of resources and, in some ways, even more fragmentation across communities in Haiti. But it was the same type of thing. Like, just build bridges across communities using soccer. Yeah. Um, right? And it's not... And specifically, use Soccer One in Haiti to yeah. help get fragmented like a lot of displaced children from the earthquake like to come congregate around soccer but then actually could then get treatment from all these other organizations that were having a difficult time uncovering like all these disparate pockets of children that were dispersed yeah I, don't, I mean you know we 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 didn't do too much in the way i don't think of um you know, I, I, I don't want to say that we sort of like built anything that was delivering any type of um, like really complex, like, you know, um, adolescent intervention mm-hmm. or anything like that. But I think we definitely saw the potential for soccer to, um, you know, bring communities together and to create a platform um to connect, you know, different types of social service agencies with kids, with families, 
um, and to just create a community platform for those things. So, you know, we would use tournaments and we would use leagues and all the different venues and all the social capital that's built up through soccer mm-hmm. um, to foster. We would, you know, harness all of that for different community development initiatives. And, um, you know, in, in Haiti, there's like a really rich culture around just like grassroots organizing um, in a way that's just not quite the same as here. And so, yeah, so one of the clubs that we worked with down here, and, you know, and I think an important part of the model was not re like creating something new in communities was propping up stuff that was already there. So we were working with clubs that already existed. A lot of times, like I said, it was a pickup game that was really grassroots, but um, you know, we're building off of existing community assets, like strengthening existing leadership by just like pulling down funded resources from that we have here um, and just like investing that in communities in Haiti. Right. And so, um, so the club that we worked with down there, and again, this is all them. We're trying to make it more possible by investing in like the resources that they need to build up their soccer program. Yeah. Did so much stuff and soccer was central to it, but you know, they organized, um, they developed like a miniature insurance fund for like the community where like, you know, the kids and the families that were involved in their club would chip in just like, you know, a dollar here and there, small dollars here and there that become vital in Haiti um, for medicine um, in the case of an emergency or just like really acute medical services and, and different things. Um, and, you know, that was all organized around the platform of soccer. There was an urban gardening initiative that was all organized around their club, right? Where kids and, and coaches and then community residents involved with the club took ownership over a community garden that was built right next to the field. Um, and propped up by the club. Cool. Um, and then, you know, then, then I think like the, the coolest experience for me is sort of in Haiti sort of around just like community building was, um, when we hosted a tournament in a Southern community, Jack Mel, which is like right on the beach, really beautiful, pretty chilled out, like beachy, um, town, like city, um, on the South of Haiti. And we invited a team up from City Soleil in in Haiti that's um right there in Port-au-Prince. And City Soleil has um was sort of the hotbed for a lot of political instability through the 90s. Um it's an extremely poor place. Um and it has like a really unfortunate history of like uh violence and destable and having and it was like I said it was sort of the um the hotbed for like the, the political instability. And so that reputation sort of precedes a lot of people's interactions and perceptions of city. So like, um, you know, that, that, that history and there has sort of traumatized a lot of people, um, in a way that's a little bit unfortunate where I think like a, the residents of city Soleil in a lot of ways haven't been able to get out from under that. Um, cause they're typecast. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, there was a lot of really bad stuff that that community endured. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at different moments so in time, and victims, it's continuing but they're, to, they're being lumped in with like the headline bad news. They're being, yeah, yeah. they're, yeah, they yeah. were, yeah, they were victimized yeah. and traumatized, but also, um, demonized, but also demonized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but what's cool is we brought a team from City Soleil and, uh, to Jack Mel. And then the players from Jack Mel and even the residents sort of tightened up when they heard like, yeah, kids from City Soleil were coming. And like, you know, sure as shit. Like the kids show up from City Soleil, hop out. They're just like looking around. They're like just they're kids goofy like little kids. kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're like perfectly well behaved. If anything, like the crew from City Soleil, um, and Daniel uh, Tilius who runs the program, another like incredible mentor and like 
I think the best community leader I know um, has the kids on extra good behavior because he knows what they're yeah. up against in terms of like the reputation yeah. of like um, the, the community. And so yeah. they're all playing. It's all good. Tournament's smooth. A kid from City Soleil in the middle of a game goes up for a header and like, you know, kids over there, like kids in here are hard, right? Like they were playing on like a soil field. There's dirt and like small patches of grass. And there's a massive rock. Like, right in the middle of the field, like, no shot. Like, (laughs) any adult is going to let, like, uh, in the U.S. would, like, let a game happen on that field. But the kids are just, like, they're just, like, immune. They just, like, they're they're just just tough. And uh, kid from City Soleil went up for a header, came down, and, like, just missed, like, really falling hard on the rock. And a kid from Jack Mel goes, oh, no, that's okay. If the kid from City Soleil fell on the rock, he'd break it. Uh, Basically just saying that this kid, like, recognizing you, like, yeah, "Yeah, he's a tough kid. And it's sort of like it flipped the script a little bit, right? Where it went from like, oh, these kids are like, you know, they're bad kids. They're dangerous kids. You know, they don't so mean well. All this stuff admiration. that's built up. To some respect, yeah. admiration, right? Yeah. It flipped the script and it like all of a sudden became like they associated like the, the you know, City Soleil with being, I think, resilient and just like tough. And that's true enough. Um, and so that was cool. And again, I think, you know, back then I was just cutting my teeth in social enterprise, social innovation, just like, uh, I love soccer, love kids. And, um, like I said, you know, to, I think there was a lot of value that came out of the programs, mostly yeah. from other organizations using soccer as a way to bring resources to communities more efficiently because soccer has that special ability to bring people together. Um, yeah, but you know, definitely a little bit more engineering has gone into my, um, into fresh truck and how I think about yeah. organizational design now. But uh, soccer one was all good. And it's like, it's great. I think what we did stuck a little bit, like, uh, you know, like I said, some of the kids went off to college and they're playing the program, uh, Daniel's program, Sakala and, and city Soleil is like still going strong. It's like, wow. there's a ton of kids in it. And uh, again, I think we played a small part in all that stuff, but uh, it's an unbelievable experience for me. I selfishly. And um yeah, you can't go wrong by like getting more balls in the pitch and making yeah. sure more kids have cleats and yeah. yeah. So uh Thanks for sharing. Cool. Thanks yeah. for sharing all that. That was yeah. that that was back when like I met you yeah. playing yep. soccer. Uh was it I think we were Bay State Soccer League. Yeah. We were on, the SSL, yeah. We had a squad. We kept winning our we kept winning our league until we famously got kicked out for a, a, like illegal players. So you know that yeah. like the team that ratted us out too was like well one two to go on the record that illegal player was 15 years old playing in a men's league and he was a goalie he just technically wasn't on the roster so it yeah. wasn't like we had ringers yeah like the way people think about it yeah. and then that and team we that ratted up. us out was from Milford my hometown oh yeah it was the um it was we was it the Portuguese like, yeah, was it the Portuguese American club yeah it was the Portuguese club yeah the Portuguese club yeah, yeah the just same. the Portuguese club yeah. and they got mad just the Portuguese club so the po- so yeah, like, that yeah. Portuguese club. You got to watch out for those guys. They yeah. just, they they hacked at one of our players' legs that time. Yeah, like, that was some I'll nasty call them stuff. out too. Those are all my boys I grew up playing with too. Yeah. They know it. Yeah, and I just I remember I remember just like little bits and pieces when you're like we'd all show up like at game time and barely getting the talk and I'm just like there's so much more to this dude Josh like he's yeah. a really good central <laughs> midfielder but yeah. he's got some like he's got some passion and, and right around then I think it was like you know maybe shortly after you'd gone to Haiti or whatnot. Um, yeah, so. There's a couple more questions I want to ask before sure, we wrap. Yeah. And one is just, I'm really impressed with with you as a person, but I also, and I recognize, I know you'd be the first to acknowledge this because of your incredible humility. You're also a bit of a reflection of all the mentors. And we just went back yeah. in time and talked about mentors like through your childhood. But you know, talk to talk to the Boston community 
because you mentioned this in your one word answer responses, this has been a common answer from people like reporters and, mm-hmm. and folks who have been around the country and reporting in different places or building companies in different places. The, um, just the general, um, uh, likelihood of, of, of successful, um, entrepreneurs, civic leaders of Boston to, um, play the mentor role to people in Boston just seems to be um, stronger than, mm-hmm. than most any other place that, that many hmm. people have lived. Interesting. And, and it's, and it's, um, it's just something that keeps coming up. And so when you mentioned like, you, you know, you mentioned mentors are just really important to you. Talk to the community a bit about like specifically your mentors and your advisors that you have around fresh truck, because you have a very impressive um, group and, and also just in general, like, advice to young entrepreneurs and how to seek out those mentors. Cause I think you've also been, um, you haven't just sat on your hands, you know, mm-hmm. you've put mm-hmm. yourself out there and you've, you've sought out some of the more prominent people in the city that can help mm-hmm. you. So just talk about, you know, any, like the topic of mentorship and what it means to you. And, and if, and if perhaps you're now getting to this point in your life where you're in your thirties and you're looking back and you're seeing some young people that could use your help and you're giving them some stewardship. Um, you know, the, to me, the, you know, the, the thing that I, I loved about like Deval Patrick when he was governor is he always talked about like generational responsibility. Yep. And, um, and I think that's kind of what we're talking mm-hmm. about here. So like, so who are those people around you now? And who, you know, and what, you know, what's, what's the, um, what's the advice you give to, to young entrepreneurs? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, yeah, a lot of different types of people. And we were actually chatting about that today's a team. I mean, I think there's, um, there's the people I look towards as, uh, look to as mentors on just like my values, like on sort of how I, um, conduct yourself as a human. Yeah. Just my, yeah. My human values, which I think is important. I think that's an important starting point. I think that's an important part of like recruiting mentors. I mean, I think if, you know, you get to be honest with yourself and with other people about like what your intentions are. I think a lot of people, especially when they're starting companies and entering into entrepreneurship can be like diluted into um, believing that, you know, they're in it for a certain reason when, um, you know, maybe it's a different reason. And, uh, and I think you just need to get right on making sure that you're mission driven, like whatever your mission is. I think that's like why I've had success in attracting mentors is because I think I'm mission driven. I think it's authentic. And I think people sort of respond to that. And then just being like open and honest and then like friendly, like too many people are just like a little bit shut down. And I think we share this quality. Yeah. Um, we're like, you know, I don't know. Like I get not being one for like small talk. Um, but you know, I think it means a lot to people and it goes a long way to just ask somebody that you don't know very well, or that maybe you just meant like how their day is going. Sure. Yeah. Um, how they're spending their summer. Um, I ask people a lot of times, people are so surprised and I'm like, what is your family like? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like just a yeah. great way. People love talking about their family for the most part. It's a great way to get to know someone. It's a great way to get to know someone. Um, and it is like, unfortunately, like a little bit of an unusual question, but I don't know. I think that's like why I've been able to sort of attract a lot of people to me is because just like, uh, I'm just like willing to, I don't even, I wouldn't even say that's like really going deep. It's just having like human conversations that um, aren't superficial um, that extend beyond like the stuff that I'm working on. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, I think all that's important just in terms of attracting people to you. And then, and that's for everybody. Um, 
Yeah. And so the, the people I look at in terms of guiding my core values um, as a person are all those community leaders. Those are all the people that that I go back to, Jen and Lisa, like I said, you know, my family, Ro, yeah. um, you know, the one big person, unfortunately, that like I lost this year was like my friend Brent, who um, was an incredible community leader in the South End. Um, Sorry to hear that. It's just like, yeah, yeah, but like we got a good thing going with like kind of preserving his legacy. But like that yeah. dude grew up, he grew up in the South End and he grew up, had a little bit of a wild life, turned it around and... Um, he just like started a community center out of like a apartment in like the Lennox housing development. Then he moved to a basement and then to another bigger basement. And then, um, I don't know, like we talk about, you know, we went back before to all this organizational design and Brent had that stuff. He had like, you know, good organizational disciplines, but the beauty in his program wasn't like, you know, the software engineering and the advanced analytics and the evaluation systems. And he was trying to build all that stuff up. It was just in like the raw empathy mm. that he offered every single day to all of the kids that were part of his program. Um, and it was instinctive and it was just intuitive. And it was just because he cared and it was because he, he grew up in the neighborhood and he knew the kids. And so he was a genuine fan. And he was just like, yeah. And I mean, it was just like, and he didn't have to try hard to do it. And I just aspire to be that person that can be as uh, genuinely open. Uh, to all, I aspire to always be that person that's as genuinely open and empathetic and effortlessly just like kind and supportive as like, as, as Brent was. Unfortunately, he built enough of a foundation where, you know, after he passed, it was almost automatic that like me and others got together and we're like, okay, like this isn't about to stop. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it hasn't, which is fortunate, but you know, we'll Boston, we'll miss Brent. Um, it was great. The mayor came out, um, you know, Brent was just a community leader, right? He wasn't yeah. this big, badass nonprofit, anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? No newspaper yeah. articles, like, yeah. you know, no big website or anything like that. No podcasts or anything yeah. like that. And the fucking mayor showing up at his funeral. Yeah. Cause, uh, you know, he, he, you know, even though he wasn't getting the publicity, he wasn't a PR dude. Yeah. Um, he was doing work at that level, right? Yeah. And um, and that was special. I appreciated the mayor coming out to his funeral to honor him like that. Um, wow. So that's like my dude. And those yeah. are the people that are like my my North Star and they're who I have at heart. And then, you know, I have a lot of professional mentors, subject matter experts, and I'm curious as hell. And I like love learning. And I think like, by virtue of like asking questions and being curious coming and then like taking it in learning, coming back with more questions. Um, people respond to that. People like teaching. I think people like being mentors. A lot of people do. Um, and they like seeing people grow and they like contributing to that growth. And, um, people like to mentor people obviously that are coachable. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think just, you know, like when you're trying to mobilize those mentors that have, subject matter expertise when you're trying to learn a specific thing um, trying to figure out how to be a better manager how to lead a tech build trying to learn about healthcare those are all the things that are sort of I'm circling right now um, you know I read I have coffee with people I ask questions and and I do it for no reason it's not like too deliberate I feel like you know when people think about it it's like networking it's like hmm. you know it's just uh, th there's something just to me that's a little bit disingenuous that like doesn't necessarily entail yeah. learning it's like it's like sort of superficial yeah. sort of building your own social capital and then yeah. and then I, a lot of my job is asking people for money and it's building relationships because I know people are in a position to support me support fresh drug um, that can help me just like for the purpose of establishing credibility 
Um, and I'm right there open and honest about that, right? If there's, um, you know, an investor, a potential donor, a potential supporter, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm open and honest with, uh, where I hope they can come in to like support the work that I'm doing. But like, you know, on top of that, as much as I can, like I said, it's, I make every effort. I know I do. Right. Cause I like, don't really have the stomach for it otherwise, um, to develop like a, uh, somewhat of a personal relationship, you know, to the extent that, um, you know, there's room for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, that can't be in, in, and I'm always just transparent, Yeah. you know? And, um, and I think, you know, part of that transparency is also the mission, right? Where it's like, when I'm asking people to invest in me and in, and in fresh check and in fresh connect, um, it's in the mission. It comes back to the mission. It's not money in my pocket. Yeah. It's, uh, trying, it's, trying it's to invest mission. in improving health outcomes of the community. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then, um, and then it's just being respectful, right? Yeah. Like I think like a lot of times, like the way people approach, you know, fundraising and network building is people are guessing it where they're like, Oh, let me get coffee with you right away. It's like, you don't know yeah. somebody and they're just, you know, you know, somebody's busy and, or, you know, you know, somebody like, you know, has that money, like is that investor, like has that access to the next person. Yeah. Just like, yeah, you know, forcing it without getting to know somebody, without letting them know what you're all about, without establishing your own credibility. It's just like that, you know, that doesn't work. So I guess, you know, all those things are my fundamentals for yeah. like how I build relationships and, uh, you know, how I go about the process of developing all my stuff. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thanks for sharing all that. I, yeah. I hope for young entrepreneurs that like make it to this point in the podcast, like it really sinks in because I think it's it, the those like soft skills and attributes yeah. are like there that's valuable that's what that's what guys like you and i seek out it's why we've developed a friendship sure, yeah. actually genuinely interested in the other person like yeah. you know like you mentioned like nice simple tips too like hey like so how like where'd you you know where'd you go up how's your family mm-hmm. like it's just you know like we're here for these precious breaths you know yeah. and it's like this this you know this this life is uh it's a gift and if we're going to be interacting with people like Let's like really be present in the moment. Yeah. You know? So, which you are, and that's why I've been I've thoroughly enjoyed this. So my last question for you is, outside of food access and providing health outcomes, if there's one thing about the world you change, or if there's another cause in the future we see you working to impact positively, what what might that be? Just like, just extreme poverty, man. It's like, it's crazy. Like Muhammad Yunus said, like one day we're going to look at it, like extreme poverty in a museum and like wonder how we let that happen. And like, I firmly believe that's true. Like we have so much, (laughs) we have so many resources as a human race um, and so much ingenuity and so much technology that people just should not be like going hungry, right? Like, People shouldn't be without water um, and dying needlessly. Um, kids shouldn't be subject to the types of trauma that they are, like that, that, that kids endure that are subject to extreme poverty. Um, it truly is just senseless. Um, and, you know, I think that's something I'll get around to working on eventually. And that's the big thing I wish for us to solve. Um yeah, there's wow. yeah, there's there's a certain lack of humanity and um, a great deal. There's a great lack of humanity 
in extreme poverty and um, collectively looking the other way or just in just not feeling like just, we're addressing yeah we are and like you know yeah. you know and I'm, I'm not excluding myself from that yeah. but it's like um you know there, there's more i could there's more we could all be doing but like yeah yeah like we're as a human race i feel like we're not yeah we're just yeah um we, we just need to be a little bit more responsive and proactive and checked in and engaged and i think we need to to like just fundamentally rethink our value system. Like this yeah. whole conversation right now about like borders and stuff like that. Like yeah. I understand the pragmatism around like, well, you know, you can't like let everybody, you're just going to let everybody into the country. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, I, 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 you know, reasonable people can disagree about immigration, but it's like, you know, at some point it's just like, dude, it's just like, we are all just human beings. And I guess that's a little bit esoteric, but um, it, it we, we are. Right. Like we just, we just are. And, um, people have sort of rejected that within political discourse and in the way we've, we've constructed our value systems, like, like the arbitrary borders we've drawn around the world somehow, somehow dictate sort of the, um, the level like or the, the, the quality of life that certain people get to live. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, why? Why? Like, we got to kind of go back to the, like, yeah. we do have to go back to the yeah. drawing board on that. We have to ask uh, questions when we're saying like, well, we can't let everybody in or like, you know, they should go back to their country. And it's like, well, why do we have to go back to the drawing board and wonder like, why are we so disconnected? Yeah. Like, why do we, like, why do you think that's true? And we just sort of need to like question a lot of our underlying like assumptions and philosophies around how we all see the world. Um, yeah. And then I think we'll kind of, I think if we all did that, I think we'd be a little bit ashamed about um, what the world has become. But I don't think we're ashamed right now because like we look, there's, there's too much of, um, too much of us looking out at other people as the other, as separate and distant. And um, and I think there just needs to be more collective responsibility and just taking care of people and that we, we have the resources to do it. So we should. Yeah. yeah. So well, well said. Well, <laughs> count, count me in. Count me in on. Count me in on that initiative. Yeah, we'll see. It's. Um, I mean, probably at, in a similar way you did this refresh. Well, it's a big. That's a, it's grandiose to attack the world, but like, yeah, like to address the world. But but just I mean, we could start with you could start with Massachusetts, because you know what? Yeah. We don't they don't do the necessarily the best job like creating you know creating the same opportunities for people a few towns away you know or next town you know so there's there's a lot to unpack there how do people best follow along or get in touch with you if there's things that you talked about in the podcast and they they want to reach out yeah um i don't know uh reach out on twitter twitter's twitter's a fun way to check in with like new people that haven't met yet um, we'll, include, we'll include that in the post on Boston. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's just my name, Josh Trotman. Yeah. And then, um, you know, Fresh Truck is out there um, on social. Fresh Connecting About Fresh aren't really out there in the world yet, but they'll be out there soon. So just look out for those. Um, and then you can find, if you go to our website, if you go to Fresh Truck's website, um, you'll find our schedule on there. So you can chase us around the city if you want to check out the markets. And that's cool. Anybody can come shopping. Anybody can come check it out. Um but yeah, happy yeah, happy to hear from anybody. I think hit me up on Twitter. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think Twitter's a good way to go. I think yeah, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Nice. All right, we'll include that in the story. Josh, this has been a pleasure, man. Thanks, man. That was fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, cheers, Boston.